Welcome to another episode of Free Lunch by the Peak, the podcast where we talk to people way smarter than us about the most important topics in Canadian business, economics, and policy. I'm your co-host, Taylor Scollin, and Sarah Bartnika is off this week. So the economy has been through a pretty turbulent period over the past few years, as you know, if you listen to this podcast. And one of the sectors that's experienced that the most, I think, has to be the restaurant industry. I mean, pretty much all of the big macro trends that we've lived through and that we talk about on this show show up in restaurants, whether it's the supply shocks of COVID or inflation of the past 18 months or disruptions in the labor market and all the turmoil there. Restaurants have experienced all these things in, I think, a really dramatic way. And through all of that, they have had to go on opening their doors and making food and serving customers every night if they want to stay in business. So I wanted to talk to someone who has lived and worked through this to find out firsthand what it's been like to be in the trenches running a restaurant during all of this economic turbulence. And I want to find out what we can learn about what's going on in the economy more broadly from what's happening day to day in restaurants. So I'm really happy to be joined by someone who can answer those questions. One of the country's top restaurateurs, someone who's not only survived all this turmoil over the past few years, but actually thrived. Yannick Bigordin, and I apologize for my lousy French pronunciation there, is the owner and operator of some of what I think are the best restaurants in Toronto, including the Carbon Bar and Lucy. And he's also behind Nota Bene and Splendido, which are two names you might recognize if you've lived in Toronto for a while. So Yannick, thanks for coming on Free Lunch. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Uh, delighted to spend my Friday afternoon with you. Uh, well, we're delighted to have you. And maybe a good place to start would just be to give us a little bit of an overview of your business, because I know you have a few different business lines and things on the go. Absolutely. So uh, currently I'm involved with uh, three restaurants and a, uh, uh, as well as a production and catering facility. So the, the three restaurants are uh, the Carbon Bar, uh, Queen Street uh, between Church and Jarvis downtown. The second one is Amano Trattoria located at uh, 9 Church Street, which is at uh, basically Front and Church. And uh, the third one and the most recent one is called Lucy, which is at 100 Young Street between King and Adelaide, uh, right in the heart of uh, the financial district. And uh, I've also um, uh, started a uh, production kitchen for all the retail needs that I have for uh, the Carbon Bar. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, as well as our uh, catering company. And how long have you been in the restaurant space for? God, I was born into it. My, my parents were in it. And uh, I, I... Was that right? Yes, I, I, I did try to uh, to stay away with it by going into the hotel business. and uh, But eventually, I was uh, I was drawn back into uh, into the restaurant business. But I, I opened my first restaurant in 2001. Um, actually, it was September 11, 2001, believe it or not. Um, oh, man. Yeah, yeah and uh, the, the, the restaurant was called Splendido, which uh, became uh, a wonderful and uh, uh, mm -hmm. praised uh, restaurant, which I, I, I miss every day. But uh, so, so it's almost, I guess, uh, uh, 22, 22 years. Okay, I didn't realize that you had started Splendido. I think that was the first, you know, when I was a broke university student, the first, you know, fine dining restaurant I went to in the city it was excellent. It was a, a classic. Yeah, I mean, I'll take the credit for starting it, but really what we did is uh, in 2001, we took over the restaurant and completely changed the, uh, the, the, the concept and the, uh, the menu. And I did that along with my uh, business partner, David Lee, who was the chef. And uh, so we kept uh, basically just a name and uh, reinvented the restaurant. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad uh, I'm glad you remember it. And uh, 
uh, yeah, so many people still talk about it. And, you know, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Okay, great. So you've seen a ton of uh, changes and trends in, in restaurants. And as a outside observer, it looks to me like we've just been through a very difficult period for the sector. Uh, maybe if I'm wrong, you can correct me on that. But I'm curious, what what are the biggest challenges and pain points that restaurants are facing right now in your view? Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll start by answering the, you know, the question about, you know, the, the, the challenges we've just experienced uh, with, with obviously COVID. Um, and, and, you know, here was the proposal, right? And uh, I think it was March the 16th, we were told closing your restaurants, you're not allowed to open your restaurants. Uh, you're basically not allowed to be in business. And, and all of a sudden, you know, we realized that, uh, well, you know, it's going to be a cobalt month, we're going to be fine. And, uh, you know, almost two and a half years uh, into it, uh, it it's been, uh, you know, I, I think an understatement to say that it's been difficult. It's been difficult for us as restaurant owners, but uh, it's been extremely, extremely difficult for all the, the, the our employees, our suppliers. And, you know, there was an, an entire industry and, and, you know, we're talking about the entire hospitality industry that was completely decimated. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, life is very interesting because you sometimes need the moment of hardship and to realize what's important to you and, and uh, what, what are the things that we should be focusing on today, uh, you know, almost three years after, after finishing COVID. So uh, extremely difficult, but I think that uh, if we take a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of time to think about what just happened to us, uh, it's interesting to think about what, what are the, the next, uh, you know, five years and 10 years looking like? Yeah, I mean, so what is this, the, the mood, I guess, among restaurant owners that you talk to and yourself coming out of that time? Are you feeling positive about where, we at, where we're at? Um, well, I, I think there's an incredible amount of positivity about, about where we are today uh, versus where we were, you know, two years ago. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the the projects that are happening downtown in terms of uh, restaurants, and I'm talking about large scales restaurants, eight to ten, twelve, fourteen thousand square feet, uh, with serious, very serious operators coming from uh, uh, whether other provinces and even other countries. I, 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 you know, I talk to a lot of different landlords, and I'm I'm pretty in the pulse. And and there's incredible, incredible amounts of of new restaurants opening, uh, specifically downtown Toronto, and and more specifically in the core. Um, so even though, you know, the poor has a little bit of a bad reputation, it, it seems that, uh, restaurateurs, I, I, I always call them, you know, the, uh, uh sorry, I, I call the small birds that, uh, that they used to, to, uh, to have in coal mines. So, so they would, Canaries. Uh, thank you very much. Canaries. So, so they would know. And, and it seems like, you know, restaurants are, are, are very often ahead of the curve. Right. And, and, um, uh, looking at the positivity that's there, uh, it's extremely encouraging. Uh, the landlords are, are extremely smart at the moment. They, they want to attract. Uh, the best operator possible. They're they're trying to put deals that are um, making sense for everybody. Uh, it's important for them to to show that you know their buildings are occupied by by you know top class operator. So this being said, a lot of people are still scars from from what happened. And 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 to be very honest, I'm I'm one of them. I'm definitely more cautious. I'm I'm not. Uh, as uh, I think uh, a risk adverse that I was uh, three years ago mm. because we we got uh, we got nailed pretty hard and and so it's hard to, to put it uh, to put it in the background. Does that change the way that you run your business on a day to day basis or how you make decisions about uh, investing maybe in hiring more people or expanding into uh, new brands or new locations? 
would you say that, I, I mean, you can always speak for yourself, but more broadly, has there been a pullback in that in the industry? Well, I'll, I'll first speak for myself. I'm, I'm definitely more of a more cautious investor today than I, than I was three years ago. Uh, and, and in general, it's hard to generalize. You know, I, I know some, some groups are, are extremely bullish uh, that, that, are, that are opening very, very large restaurants, spending the upwards of $1,000 a square feet. So, you know, if you have a 10,000 square feet, 10,000 square feet wow. restaurant, it's, it's, it's $10 million investment plus, you know, uh, everything that goes with it and furnishing, you know, the, 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 the wine cellar and the training, et cetera. So um, they're, they're big numbers. Uh, and, and obviously those people are, are very smart operators that, that are not scared about that. You know, my last restaurant is Lucy, it's 4,000 square feet. Um, I felt comfortable with that, with that square footage as, as, uh, you know, uh, somebody that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that had to put, you know, the, the financing together, uh, and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, bring the, uh, the project to, uh, to fruition. You know, I felt comfortable, but still a very large amount of money to, uh, to, uh, to deploy, uh, in the current, uh, situation. I'm curious kind of about what goes into a decision to open a new restaurant or how you've arrived at that decision to say, okay, 4,000 square feet is something I'm comfortable with, but maybe 10,000 would be too much. Is this sort of laid out on a spreadsheet where you say, I know if I have X number of square feet, I can make this amount of money per square foot. And this is how much it's going to cost me to open the place. And this is how much it's going to cost me to run the place. How does that, uh, how does that decision get made? Cause you know, to someone who's just, a patron of restaurants, it seems like very risky and hard to predict how they're going to succeed. But you've obviously been able to turn into a, sort of a repeatable formula. So, so this is a great question. Just uh, I'm going to try to, uh, to to cover all the points here. So the, the, the first uh, uh, that I would say is that I, I think that everybody has a different uh, a different way of investing in restaurants. So you know, if you look at you know larger chains or or multi-unit operations, it might be for them uh, a need to be in a certain area in a certain city. So so they will be a little bit more risk adverse and and be willing to, to put a larger investments, whether it's uh, it's in the the rent uh, cost or or the the, the feed out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, you know, even though I, I only have three restaurants currently, we we uh, my group and I. I uh, used to have uh, up to eight, but I, I've uh, recently, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, simplified my business life and, and taken way more ownership uh, in, in my own restaurants. And, and uh, I, I think that the way I look at restaurants right now is, is really uh, with the heart. You know, is, is there something that I'm passionate about with, with that location? Is there something mm. that I can do that's extraordinary? Is there something that I'm, I'm going to be proud of when, when I walk through, through the door? Um, and, and then I think you have the other people that are in between that, you know, that, that have that sensitivity, that passion, but also they, they have the need to, to grow because uh, whether they have, uh, you know, investors behind them that are, that are requiring them to grow or, 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 or just shareholders because they're traded, uh, a publicly traded company. So, so I think we, we all look, uh, you know, at those investments with a very different scope. Um, and and uh, I, I'm more of a... Uh, passionate individual, I fall in love with projects, and uh, and, and I, I usually do what I call reverse engineering a, a restaurant. I fall in love with the space, and then I create the concept. Uh, you know, mm. your large, you know, steakhouse uh, chain, uh, you're, you're not doing that. You you know what the concept, what what concept you're looking for, uh, and and you know the type of space that you're looking for. So you you then you then bring that concept to that space. Um, yeah, and then there's everything in between. Um, so, so I, I think that I might be a little bit different from that uh, in, in the way that uh, I, I look at things a little bit more, 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 more passionately, I guess. Sure. Yeah. 
what are the biggest costs that you face uh, running a restaurant? Like just purely on like a month to month basis. Yeah. So, so we, we have what, what I'll call the, the, the two big ones is uh, labor and, uh, and, and uh, food cost of cost of goods sold uh, basically. And then uh, comes right after uh, operational uh, cost, everything that you need, you know, to uh, from the toilet paper that you need to buy to all the uh, the, the cleaning equipment, the cleaning uh, uh, products that you need, and and then obviously the rent uh, is a big part of it. Um, so, so those are the the, the big four. Uh, one thing that's uh, definitely uh, that has changed in the past, you know, fifteen or twenty years since I've been in the restaurant business are are marketing costs, technical tech. Technical, uh, not technical, sorry, technological uh, cost. Mm. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, reservation system. We're talking about uh, all, all the, uh, the the new uh, tech uh, software that are available to us uh, that, that costs way more money than, than what they used to, to cost us. Okay. And when you say, you know, let's take labor, for example, because yes. that's, you know, such a big macroeconomic topic right now, is that... 50% of your budget? Is it 30%? Does it vary? What's the sort of a ballpark for that? Well, I'll try to give you a very, very, very general ballpark, but, uh, you know, we need to take yeah. into consideration the type of restaurants that, uh, that you operate, right? You, you cannot take, uh, you know, a, a franchise that has, uh, you know, 30, uh, two or 300 units uh, against, you know, the way I operate Lucy, which is a very elevated fine dining uh, French restaurant. Sure. So, so I'll, I'll try to generalize as much as I can. Um, I'll start with the food cost. Um, food cost, you know, usually varies in, in, in the type of restaurants that I run, uh, you know, between 30 to 35%, depending on, on, on what your goals are, depending on, on the type of products you use. Um, and, and, and the more uh, elevated the products are, uh, most likely a higher food cost, but uh, that, that's in percentage. If you look at a, at a dollar uh, margin, you obviously make more money selling. Uh, you know, it's better to make caps. Uh, $50 of a steak, you know, that, that uh, you made uh, 40% on than, than a steak that you sell and, and uh, you, you make, uh, you know, 25%, but you only make $20 on mm. So So you understand that uh, that's fairly, fairly simply. Uh, so I'd say, you know, food cost anywhere 30 to, to 35. And uh, some operators are, are also benefiting from, you know, buying power. And, and uh, obviously, as soon as you have way more, uh, way more uh, uh, weight on, on, uh, on how you buy the food, uh, obviously, you, you benefit from that. The labor cost um, could vary again. I, I'd say conservatively, conservatively, you know, 33, 34, 35 percent to sometimes 40 percent. Hmm. Uh, again, I'm going to take the example of uh, of uh, Lucy right now. Uh, it's very heavy. You know, we have we have a lot of uh, very talented, uh, you know, uh, chefs in the kitchen that uh, you obviously need to compensate properly. There, there's a lot of uh, a lot of staff. Uh, you know, you have a wine sommelier, you have, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of layers that you need to add. So that, that will cost you obviously a little more than, for example, the carbon bar, which is more uh, casual. And, uh, you know, people are obviously a server, for example, will serve, you know, I'm going to say 25 to 30 guests in a night, you know, from, from the 5 p.m. until the, the 10 p.m. Rather than Lucy, you know, it'll serve probably 12 to 15 guests. Uh, so, so, but I think you know, thirty-five to forty percent is a is a fair uh, estimate right now. Uh, you know, I've I've had a month, you know, especially pre-COVID, after COVID, where you know you're you're running forty-five, fifty percent. It's been uh, it's been challenging, and then you know, operational wow. costs are usually around uh, eight, eight, seven, eight, ten percent, depending on again the type of establishment that you operate. And then rent, it's uh, it's everywhere. I mean, I I personally uh, always uh, 
always uh, uh, try to to uh, to go for uh, what what we call Grok eight, which is your your gross uh, gross rent uh, compared to your sales, which is about eight eight percent. I find that it's uh, it's a very comfortable level uh, where where the restauranter has has a, has a chance to uh, to make a living and and uh, and I think uh, give uh, the landlord a fair return on his uh, on his real estate investment. Okay, thank you. So it sounds like anywhere from seventy to eighty percent of your costs on a monthly basis are consumed by food and and labor. You know, ballpark for restaurants that are sort of of your caliber, and it just strikes me that where we've seen a lot of volatility in prices, a lot of increasing increases in prices over the past, you know, let's say year and a half, uh, two years has been in those in those sectors. Um, I guess first is that also what you've seen, and uh, second, how do you respond to that as someone who's trying to operate a business? Yeah, so so that's obviously the elephant in the room nowadays, right? It's uh, you know very high cost for for everything, and uh, you know we have stories of you know we were we were you know laughing about when we look at the price of frying oil, for example. It, it was laughable, right? We were we were three hundred percent above what what it was pre-COVID, right? And things that you absolutely you know cannot understand unless you you know you you follow uh, you know the uh, the markets on canola and uh, <laughs> and and uh, so so some of the, those costs were absolutely ridiculous. Proteins went 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 up the roof, uh, vegetables, fresh vegetables, etc. And then you know supply and demand was was was, was affected by. Um, uh, the, the supply chain where where people couldn't get the, uh, the the produce here or the products. So so obviously it's been highly complicated and and you know we were looking at our our, our prices on on our menu pretty much on a monthly basis and trying to adjust that. Mm. Um, and and then the second thing of labor, uh, you know, if you if you uh, look at uh, and and read, uh, you you just have to read the peak every morning to realize that uh, it's it's something that. Uh, that changes so fast, and uh, it's been extremely challenging for us to find people. It's getting much better, and we can touch on on, on that a little bit later. Um, but but it's uh, it's something that we need to pass on on to our guests, and, and uh, you know we, we we're not uh, I think shy you know hiding away that uh, we're 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 entrepreneurs. We run businesses, and and you know there's only one uh, you know uh, important thing when you run a business that you're a profitable business like anybody else uh, around us, and and so. Uh, if the costs uh, grow, we, we have to we have to raise our prices, and I think that as an industry, you look at the the prices that uh, you're paying today as a, as a customer, and you know I'm, I'm I'm one that loves to go to go out uh, for dinner, and 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 yeah, I'm prepared to pay way more than what I was paying uh, three years ago because everything's gone up. Yeah, are you seeing prices start to stabilize now or come down in certain places? Does anything stick out to you there on the inputs that you have to pay for? I, I believe so. I, I believe so. I, I, I don't think we've had uh, in the last, you know, I'm going to say four, four to six weeks, any conversations with any of the uh, the executive chefs in, in my restaurants or, or the general managers uh, where they were concerned about a certain price. I, 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 I must say uh, that, that, that there might be a little bit of a, a stabilization here in the in the cost of, uh, of goods um, and, and labor is getting getting easier as well. Uh, it's easier to find people. Uh, now, now, one of the the, the largest challenge that uh, I think uh, a lot of people will will be uh, will be agreeable with is that uh, we we have to retrain an entire uh, community of of restaurant workers, uh, and and uh, so many people have left the industry for for all the right reasons. We cannot blame those people. Uh, they, they've they've had to survive, and and some are are very happy doing. 
doing new things and, and some are actually, some are coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, uh, so we do find more people. Uh, the key is now to, to retrain those people because uh, uh, a lot of them don't have the experience that, uh, 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 that people had in the past. So I, I think this will take some time uh, and some efforts from everybody. But uh, listen, it's a very transient labor force that we have. Uh, you know, your university students, your your water work, whether it's a pub or working a fine dining restaurant doesn't really matter. But but it's a really great way to to uh, you know to help you going through uh, through school. Uh, some people see that as a as a supplementary income. You know, some people work three nights, three three days, uh, and it's really a great way to uh, to to get uh, to get some extra income. Um, and still having the uh, the freedom to pursue other opportunities. I'm curious about the actual process of of setting prices. How do you decide you're going to charge thirty dollars for something, forty dollars for something? Uh, is it sort of we look at how much it costs and then we add margin, or uh, what goes on in those meetings where you set those prices? Yeah, so so uh, you know there there is plenty of uh, of, of uh, you know tools that we have uh, you know from menu engineering etc. And and I, I think you know the, the way the way you you look at it is your targeted food cost, right? So so let's pretend you know we want to sell uh, we, we we pay you know thirty three dollars for a steak. Uh, technically, if you want to have a you know thirty three percent food cost or a margin of three, you, you'll you'll charge you know a hundred dollars. Uh, but but you know if the three neighbors beside you are in the same you know in the same uh, geographical er- area mm. charging you know eighty five dollars you're, you're gonna have a very very uh, very tough uh, appeal battles here uh, because customer you know go and 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 they they they, they frequent restaurants all the time so uh, I think that you you have a theoretical uh, food cost that that you want to achieve and then you've got to look at uh, what the market can bear and uh, what the competition is doing. But I think more importantly that, than, than the food cost, I think it's the value. It's the value added that you put to that product, right? And, and if we take an example, you know, if you go to a very you know, elegant dining room where, where people are, are there to please you, they're, they're on top of everything, and, and you know, the, the, the food cost might be maybe, maybe better as, as far as the restaurant is concerned, but you are offering more value when you have more labor costs, right? So I think it's all balancing that, that value. Uh, and, and I think that no one will ever tell you that a restaurant was too expensive when everything was amazing. Uh, you know, service is fantastic. The food tastes like nothing you've ever tried before. Uh, the sense of, of hospitality is there, you know, from the moment people made the, their reservation. Uh, and, and even though, you know, it could be a very expensive restaurant, people will tell you the value was incredible. Uh, and the opposite could be true. You know, you could go to a restaurant that, that doesn't offer, you know, anything really really expensive, you know, that you would call uh, uh, cheap, for, for the lack of a better word. And, and then you find it expensive because there is no value. So I think more importantly is the value and the value added that you put with your product. Do you feel, you know, because you, your restaurants are higher end, do you feel like you, you do have more pricing power, you know, when inflation hits or when wages go up, that you're able to raise prices in a way that maybe, you know, lower tier or mid tier restaurants Aren't? I I I think uh, I think I do. Uh, we, we are dealing uh, obviously with a uh, with a with a you know demographic that 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 understands you know the variations of of, of pricing and and uh, mm-hmm. so so that will appreciate also the uh, the quality of the products that uh, that we put in front of them. Um, and and I think we probably have a little bit more elasticity here to to play with the pricing. Without offending anybody and uh, and uh, being in sync with what the, the, the markets are are calling for. Okay, I want to talk about uh, a couple other 
bigger economic trends and how they relate to the restaurant business. And I guess the first one would be uh, the possibility of a recession. So maybe we're not in a recession yet, but you know, something that people talk about and seems to be a live possibility. How do you think about that as a restaurant owner and how does that change how you plan for your business, how you operate your business today? Yeah. If at all. So, um, so I, I think I'm, I'm, I might, uh, you know, I might be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a very privileged, uh, uh, situation here because I, I deal with a, uh, uh, a, a population that 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 doesn't seem to be affected as much, unfortunately, uh, you know, because you are dealing with with a higher end average check and, and a more expensive uh, restaurant. So, mm. uh, you know, recession is always there. I, I remember opening Nota Bene in two thousand and eight when we had a financial crisis that was absolutely disastrous, uh, and and uh, it seemed that our restaurant did extremely well then uh, because mm. all in times of of. Uh, uh, of uncertainty, then to go back to, to the brands they know, the brands they respect, uh, and, and go for something uh, that will provide them with a, a great experience. Again, going back to that value proposal uh, proposition that I was talking about. Uh, so so uh, I, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, uh, somebody that, that is dealing with a, a lowering market will, will agree with that. Uh, but in, in the market that I'm operating in, uh, we are uh, definitely uh, worried about a recession. We're definitely thinking about it. I, I, I hope you know that the soft lending uh, is, is what we are going to get. Uh, there's definitely signs that uh, it might not be as, as drastic as, as what people think. I, I hope we, we, we are going to that this direction because uh, nobody wants to be in a recession because uh, we will suffer, and, and uh, unfortunately, again, the middle class will will suffer tremendously from that. Uh, and it seems that uh, you know the middle class is what uh, what what feeds the uh, the economy, uh, and and so we need that middle class to be healthy. And a recession would be absolutely atrocious. Yeah, when it comes to commercial real estate, this is another area where you know people have concerns that maybe there's too much debt. Uh, people aren't going back to the office. Values are falling. Some of these commercial real estate properties. Uh, but what I thought was interesting about what you were saying earlier is that you're opening restaurants in the core, uh, high-end restaurants that appeal to people who presumably are working in the financial district um, and have that money to spend. So would you say that uh, based on what you're seeing, people are coming back and dining out there? Uh, do you observe, I guess, any trends in that area? So, um I'm going to try to uh, answer in two parts here. The, the first thing that I'd say is from my observations and, and the, uh, the conversations that I have with, uh, with landlords or real estate agents, it seems that the, 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 the better properties right now seem to be attracting uh, more, uh, more people and, and more offices to stay or to renew uh, their leases. So it seems like, again, people are going for, for, for the best properties around. Uh, so, so, you know, secondary markets might, might, might be affected more than, than uh, you know, your AAA uh, rated, uh, you know, uh, locations, especially downtown. Yeah. So, so that, that's one thing that I, I'm, again, this is not my area of expertise, but what I, I can gather uh, talking to, to many people, that that's what I see. Um, the second part of, of, of your question is, uh, is very interesting because... Uh, 
we, we, we feel that landlords are putting a lot of efforts in, in putting, uh, putting the, the right tenants and, and, and creating um, the right amenities, right? So I, I think that financially, uh, people will be enticed again to be, to be downtown. Uh, and, and, you know, when, when you're talking about uh, downtown Toronto, you know, this is where the Maple Leafs play, this is where the Raptors are playing, this is where the GOAT train, you know, uh, ends, this is where all the subways come. Uh, it, there's a lot of convenience. You know, usually if you are, if you are a lawyer, that's, uh, you know, 90%, I would imagine, of, uh, of all the, the firms that you're dealing with, they're, they're downtown. Uh, so so uh, the, the downtown, again, this is not my, my, my area of expertise, but the downtown uh, is a very vibrant uh, business community and, and now residential community uh, when, when you see what, uh, what Toronto was able to achieve with the, that incredible amount of, of uh, residents as well. So uh, I, I think, you know, it's a transition. You know, everything is cyclical in, in life. And, and I think we're seeing right now a low cycle where, where people are, are not as bullish as they are in working downtown. But, uh, but it looks like it's changing. You know, all, all the, uh, the paper that, that I tend to, to read are talking about, uh, you know, the need for, for younger people to be coached by, by mentors. And, and that's not happening, you know, when, when you are, you know, 90 kilometers away and, and you live in Barrie and, and, and you work in, uh, in, in downtown Toronto. Um, and so, so I, I believe that, uh, you know, that, that will eventually change. And, and landlords are smart people. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a problem of supply and demand. The, the moment that uh, they will adjust their pricing, you know, a company that may be very far away from Toronto now that had decided to move there five years ago, Let's call it a tech company that's uh, that's you know about 120, 140 kilometers away from Toronto. Not to name any 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 uh, any city that has a lot of uh, tech. You know, all of a sudden you realize that hey, hey, actually I could be downtown with at that price, and and you know mm-hmm. employees are are actually delighted because you know it's yeah. it's uh, it's served by the, the transit. So obviously I'm biased. I, I you know my businesses are downtown, so I'd like to be positive and I like to be uh, very very bullish on that. Uh, but but the downtown is is so vibrant, right? Um, and and uh, I, I I talk to a numerous people numerous people that are in the uh, in in the financial business and they're in their office five days and and you know when when uh, you know the leaders are starting to be in their offices five days okay it's the middle of August right now so <laughs> lots of them are are in their cottage either the cottages or wherever they, they might be but uh, coming September you know September first or Labor Day weekend I, I have the strong feeling that uh, that uh, there, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a change. Interesting. When you're talking to landlords looking for a space, do do you get the sense that they see having a restaurant like like yours in the building as uh, a selling point for other tenants in the building? Like, are they trying to get your business because it's going to attract other tenants to rent space there? Listen, my biggest argument with, with landlords, and they're smart, but, uh, you know, we, we sometimes argue about that because, uh, you know, I'm going for better rent and they're arguing to, to charge me for, for more rent. Uh, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, uh, you know, where's the carbon bar? You know, pe- people realize where the carbon bar is because they've been there and they, they, they're located, you know, to, to talk about, you know, some, some charismatic restaurant like Scaramouche, right? You, you know where it is. You know where Canoe is. You know where, you know, and, and that's, that's what you create by, by creating a, a strong brand recognition with your restaurants. You also give some identity, a really, really strong identity um, w- with your building. And for example, you know, the, that was the discussions that I've had with the King set here that owns uh, Scotiabank Plaza, where, where Lucy is. And, and, uh, and, and they were actually very attracted by, by uh, doing a fine dining restaurant, something that would be regarded as, as one of the, the greatest, you know, destination. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, landlords will, 
will will get behind that, those ideas of you know the the the, the, the better uh, you know uh, the, the restaurant will perform and, and the, the the better it's, uh, uh, for the the more you know brand recognition you are going to get you your your building will will definitely uh, benefit from that. And, and, you know, if you talk about, you know, where, where's Bymark? You know, you may not know the name of, of the building of Bymark, but I can tell you that anybody will take you to Bymark yeah. if they ever been downtown. So so that, that's what I think, uh, you know, a, a strong restaurant uh, brand will do to your building. Uh, again, I'm biased and, uh, and I want to believe in that. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So a couple, I guess, more restaurant-specific questions. Uh, I'm just curious, have you seen any shift or interesting changes in consumer preferences uh, when it comes to dining compared to say four or five years ago? Like has that, does that change quite a bit over time or is it relatively consistent? I, I think it changes a lot, but, but it's very cyclical. It's like fashion. Uh, you know, when, when I closed uh, Splendido uh, in 2000 and sorry, when I sold Splendido in 2009, I, I didn't really believe in, in fine dining anymore. And, and you know, that was in, in coincidence with all the, you know, food network and, and, you know, everybody became, you know, foodie, everybody became, you know, so much more uh, well-traveled when, when, it, when, when, when we're talking about food and, 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 and you had a, a very interesting democratization about food and, you know, it was about sharing plates. It was definitely more casual. People weren't dressing out, out, out as much to go out. There, there was, you know, the, 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 the tablecloth that, that were taken away from, from every tables. Um, and and uh, so I, I think there was, that was the end of a cycle. You know, the, 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 the city had, had an incredible, incredible fine dining restaurant. And all of a sudden, you know, I opened Nota Bene. It was, was more, more casual. And, and a lot of the, those, those very fancy fine dining restaurant closed at the same time or reinvented themselves. Uh, and, and then uh, we're now 2023 and I am so uh, bullish and passionate about fine dining. And when you look at the city, hmm. Michelin, Michelin uh, you know, uh, guy coming to, to Toronto, uh, all of a sudden, you know, people that had no interest in fine dining are talking to you about the next restaurants they are going to go because uh, they, they had a one Michelin star or they were named, you know, number three or number five or number one, actually number one from Canada 100, which is again, you know, an incredible publication that, 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 that is, is trying to elevate the, uh, the, the, the dining in the city. So, uh, I, I, I'm very bullish right now on the, on the, the fine dining. People want an experience. You know, we, we've opened Lucy, uh, what, three weeks ago now. And, and, uh, it's overwhelming to hear our customers telling us we want an experience. We want to be, uh, floored by by an incredible incredible time we want to be impressed we want to be challenged and, and uh, i don't think that was automatically true 10 years ago people wanted more casual they wanted to go eat they go, go out still high quality food and high quality service but just in a very uh, very casual uh, atmosphere what do you attribute that to that change pardon me i didn't hear that what do you attribute that change to I, I, I think it's cyclical. I, I, I think, you know, give, give people enough time to get bored with something, they will. And, uh, you know, I remember when, uh, when the, uh, and, and that's uh, anecdotal, but uh, when, when the uh, charcuterie craze uh, came out. So, you know, as a, as a French, you know, uh, uh, born, uh, we, we eat charcuterie like, uh, like you eat, uh, you know, donuts and, and, uh, and uh, bagels in North America, right? So it's, <laughs> it's something, you know, we do every day. It's, it's part of our culture, right? And, and all of a sudden in North America, you know, a few chefs are, you know, making their own charcuterie. And I remember David Lee, my, my, my partner at Splendido, at his own curing, uh, you know, chamber and, and 
research and, and anyway. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody's making their own charcuterie. Everything is, is completely crazy about the charcuterie board. And uh, where is the charcuterie today? It's gone, right? Uh, so, so I think people have, have a very, very small attention span. They like to be surprised. They like to be uh, challenged uh, with their food taste. And so uh, I, I think that right now, if you look at uh, Toronto, you know, as an incredible, incredible um, community of Asian restaurants, Japanese, you know, uh, tasting menus that are, you know, well above $300. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's what people want today. So, so th there is a lot of, uh, yeah. lot of good things happening with that. And it'll be, it'll be a cycle until, until people... Um, but, but one thing that, that, that's, that's interesting to notice is that value and, 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 uh, and great service and great food will, will never go away. It's just a, the, the way of packaging it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, I mean, I, I think about the Carbon Bar and it's been open. When did you open the Carbon Bar? So we opened Carbon Bar in 2013. So we're 10 years. We're, we're about okay. to celebrate our 10th year anniversary uh, in, the, in the New York. Okay, so 10 years. I, I don't see a lot of restaurants that stick around for that long and have sort of enduring popularity and success in that way. I mean, you know, you can think of a few, but it seems like a long time. Um, I'm curious if it becomes easier the longer a restaurant is open as you build up that brand and that customer base, or maybe if for the reasons you just sort of talked about, people's taste change, things are cyclical, it gets more difficult to keep it open yeah, longer, I, especially in Toronto, when there's so many restaurants opening all the time. I, I think that uh, what, what's, what's very important is to say relevant, right? So, and, and I'm going to take an example that, uh, that I think a lot of people will, uh, will, will recognize is Karamouche, right, on Avenue Road. Uh, it's, it's the typical example of a restaurant that has been there, I'm, I'm going to say 30 years, but I may be wrong, or whatever it might be, but, but that, that has, you know, that has, that has understood the, the changes they had to take and, you know, Keith Froggett, the, the chef there, has been an example of, of adjusting with the times and always being in line with, with what their customers wanted. So, you know, uh, for Carbon Bar to be there 10 years, it, it's great, but I, I, I really sincerely think that Carbon Bar will be there in, in 20 and 30 years, you know, well, well, mm. uh, my, it's, it's one of those institutions that, that will remain, you know. Think about Canoe, uh, again, I, I go back to those classics where, uh, you know, they've been there for a long time, they stayed relevant. And you have to oppose that, uh, you know, to, 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 to see operators that, uh, that have a vision and uh, that want to stick with it and uh, at the same time stay relevant by always uh, using, uh, you know, the best, uh, the best knowledge about the market and what people want. Interesting. Okay, well, Yannick, thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions about this. Yes. Uh, such a fascinating industry, and I love the, the getting into the nuts and bolts uh, of it with you. Taylor, thank, thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm glad we, uh, we had a chance to discuss uh, a, a few of those, uh, those topics. So thank you so much for inviting me today. This has been another episode of Free Lunch by the Peak. I'm your co-host, Taylor Scullin. You can find past episodes of the podcast by searching for Free Lunch by the Peak wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help us out. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.